I want to first say something to uh, my Ecclesiastes class mingled among you. Some of you have missed out on the joy of it, but those of you who are in it, we start up again the first Monday night, 6 o'clock, there in the, uh, 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 what do we call that, the town center. It used to be called that, that the old gym, the Sanctanasium, whatever we call it now. But six o'clock, first Monday of February, we'll pick up and do the last half of the book of Ecclesiastes. Remember, this is Solomon's personal journal. Comes to the end of his life, wisest man who ever lived. And he goes, oh my, let me tell you what I have learned. And he put it in his journal. And we call it the book of Ecclesiastes. We went through the first half, you know, in the wintertime, now the spring starting First Monday at 6 o'clock uh, in February, we'll go ahead and finish the last half of the journal. You say, well, I, I missed the first part. Stop your whining. I do so much review that you won't miss a thing. It's free. Love to have it. It's a gift from Phoenix Seminary. Hope to see you in a month from now. Well, you know, we come to New Year's Day in 2016, hoping it's better than 2015, and we think we can help that along by making some New Year resolutions. Can we skip that this year? Because we never make it. It just makes us feel guilty for not getting it together. For me, it's every year it's, it's the weight thing. I, I'm a little more fluffy maybe than, than I should be. And, and I, uh, I mean, I used to be a hunk. Now I'm a chunk. And just trying to, uh, each year, what, what can I do? And, and I don't know about you, but wherever I am, and wherever I lose weight, within two weeks, I will find it. I will find it. And so this whole New Year resolution, can we just skip that thing? But there is one thing I would love for us as a church to really think about doing this year. If there was one thing we could all go after, and by the way, you have to go after it because this is not natural. And what I'm talking about is generosity. Generosity. You know, the human race pretty much divides. I used to say the saints and the ain'ts, but it really divides between the generous and the greedy. It splits human humanity. You basically, by nature, you got people who are the givers and people who are the takers. What if, what if this year, Scottsdale Bible Church became known, the people of Scottsdale Bible Church became known in our community as just people who are generous. And I say, well, I'm, I'm kind of generous. That's like being kind of pregnant. You know, <laughs> e either you are or you're not. So if you're generous, the real question is, how generous are you? And if you're greedy, the question then, if you want to own up to it is, well, how greedy are you? Now, some of you who don't know me well would say, who are you to be lecturing us on this? I'm no one. But I know I'm doing this because Paul told me. And I don't really have a choice because Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6, those who instruct other Christians, we are instructed to instruct you about this issue of generosity. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things, catch this, to enjoy. God richly supplies us with all things for the purpose that we learn how to enjoy all things. He says, instruct them to do good, 
to be rich in good works, and to be generous, ready to share. Why? Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now this whole thing of, of being uh, 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 generous, this, this is not an easy thing to do. You know, I, I, I get invited back uh, uh, from time to time here to speak. It's got the Bible as Pastor Meredith. That means I get to come and beat up on you and you don't know my email. And I, I can leave and by the time I come back, you forget the damage that I created. Long as Jamie doesn't forget the damage, I keep getting invited. But I tell you, I ask myself a question. Honestly, every time I am asked to come back and speak, and the question I ask myself, what could I say? I can't do a series, so in a one-shot time, what can I say that really would change a Christian's life if they took it seriously? If you took it seriously, what would change your life this year? And this would. This absolutely would. Because this has to do with how we view money. You say, oh man, is this a message on money? Well, what if it is? Why does that irritate you so much? <laughs> I mean, it's because you've got a little greed to hide, a little greed here, a little greed there. Relax. The offering's already been taken, all right? <laughs> this is all about enjoying what God has given you for the purpose of enjoying it. It's not trying to get into your pockets, but rather what's in your pockets, where should it go so you can enjoy it the most? There's an epitaph in Warwickshire, England, and the inscription reads, Here lies a miser who lived for himself and cared for nothing but gathering pelf. Now where he is or how he fares, nobody knows. Anybody want to finish this? And nobody cares. I mean, in a world bent on getting, the wisdom of Scripture is bent on giving. Jesus is quoted in the book of Acts of saying something that makes absolutely no sense. And he's quoted as saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He actually said that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, it sounds like if someone's going to hit you in the mouth, lean into it. It's going to feel better. This makes no sense at all unless Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. Giving is a difficult thing to do. You want to know why? Because we all want a quality of life. And every time we give something of our life, the quality of our life away to someone else, it feels like we're giving part of our life away, part of the quality that we were going to enjoy, and we've given it away. Unless the actual part of giving some of the quality of our life away is the quality of life Paul's talking about that makes life indeed. I mean, is that really possible? See, many live by the model, get all you can, then can all you get, then sit on the can. And basically, they don't understand how come they're so miserable as they're sitting on their picking can. I want to read just some wisdom to you. Proverbs, Solomon writes this in Proverbs chapter 3, and it's in the form of a warning. And, and, and he gives us this warning in verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. 
When it is in your power to do it, do it. Now, why, why the warning? You know, it doesn't appear to be very spiritual to be talking about money in church. Did you know of the 38 parables that Jesus gave? Of the 38 parables Jesus shared, 16 were about money. Do you know there's more said, more verses in the New Testament about our resources and what we do with our money than heaven and hell combined? Prayer is a pretty important subject, wouldn't you say? 500 verses on prayer. 2,000 verses on what we do with our money. This apparently is an issue that has to do with something God wants to tell us, his children. We need to be talking about this as we enter this new year because, beloved, if you hear me out, this can change your life. As a Christian, this literally can change your life. And so, would you open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11? I want to walk you through just two verses. Proverbs chapter 11 Verses 23, 24, and 25. The question is this, what, what, what is a, a, a generous person? And here's what he says. There is one who scatters, yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, but it only results in want. The generous man... The generous woman will be prosperous, and he, she, who waters will himself be watered. Now, what's he talking about? What is this generous man? Our, our English word generous comes from the Greek word genus, which simply means birth, and the term refers to nobility of birth, noble birth. In other words, living with some class versus living with no class. In other words, living worthy of the birth that you've been given. There's a truth that wise men and women know. What we keep, we lose. And what we give, we have. Solomon writes, there is one who scatters, yet increases the more. Now, now what, what is this one scattering? Well, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 112 when he says... That is, is, he who gives freely to the needy. He scatters to the needy. Those who are in need, they receive this, this scattering. Here is some of the wisdom of Solomon on this whole issue of generosity. Just, just write them down as I read through. Proverbs 14, 21. Solomon says, he who despises his neighbor sins. But happy is he who is gracious to the poor. Chapter 19, verse 17. He who is gracious to the needy man lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for his good deed. Do you believe God's good for it? Chapter 21, verse 13. He says this. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the needy will also cry himself and not be answered. But do you want to shut the ears of heaven to your prayers? Be greedy. Chapter 22, 
Verse 9. He who is generous will be blessed, but he gives some of his food, for he gives some of his food to the needy. He goes on and on, but Solomon expands all of what he says in his journal. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, he says now, and you've heard this phrase before, cast your bread on the surface of the waters. And the promise is you will find it after many days. The picture here is not about soggy bread. It is about the practice of commercial shipping in those days. And the investment is you would diversify and send out many ships because storms, piratery, you don't know what's going to come back. But you would invest. You would scatter it out. But the promise is some of it would return. And the picture here is a thought is you venture forth and give without thought of immediate gain. The thought is not about, okay, I'm going to give this, but what am I going to get back? No, no, no. Generosity is I'm going to give this and it's lending to the Lord. I'm not thinking about immediate gain. It will come because God promises and it will come in his time. Now, this may appear to be a waste to some, but God has given us a chance to trust a promise. A promise that whether or not he's there or he's not. I mean, come on. We go our whole Christian lives with waves of doubts and wondering, God, are you even around? Are you paying attention? God, do you even engage in our lives? And here in this area of generosity, God says, test me. Test my existence, my presence, my engagement in your life. Because once and for all, why don't you learn that I am and I keep my promise and I promise to bless you and you'll have what you need if you will be a vessel that I can flow blessing to others as well. There's a lady sitting at her second story window when she was handed a letter from home. As she opened it up, a crisp new $10 bill fell out. She was pleasantly surprised and as she read the letter, she was distracted by the movement of a shabbily dressed stranger down below leaning against a post in front of her building. And as she read the letter, she couldn't get this man out of her mind, thinking that he might have greater need for the $10 than she. So she slipped the bill into an envelope on which she quickly pinned the words, Don't despair. She threw it out the window. The stranger below picked it up, read it, looked up, smiled, tipped his hat, and he went his way. Well, the next day, as she was getting ready to leave, there was a knock on the door. She found the same shabbily dressed man smiling as he handed her a roll of bills. When she asked what they were for, he replied, well, that's the 60 bucks you won, lady. Don't despair, came in five to one. Now, I'm not sure that's quite what Solomon had in mind. <laughs> Cast your bread, see what comes back. But I tell you what he does say in Proverbs 14, verse 31. He says, He who oppresses the needy, the poor, reproaches, reproaches his maker. But he who is gracious to the needy honors him. We're children of God. And apparently on this issue of generosity, 
It has everything to do with whether we are reproaching our Heavenly Father or we are honoring Him. Are we honoring Him? This is what Solomon is expanding here in these two verses in Proverbs chapter 11. Literally, when he says the generous man, the word in Hebrew is the soul of blessings. This is the person that when this person's blessed, it splashes. He, she, they make sure it splashes on others. When this person's blessed, we're thrilled when this person's blessed because everybody around them gets blessed. Because it splashes upon them all. What we keep, we lose. And what we give, we have. The picture he gives us here in Proverbs 11 of watering is the picture of an artesian well pumping endless water into his field so it overflows into the fields of others. He doesn't dam it up so it all stays in his own field for fear he may not have enough. He lets it flow from his field on into all the other fields, believing that that water will just keep on flowing. And that's the picture that he uses here. Even the sacred book, the Talmud, among our Jewish friends, reads, whoever runs after charity to practice it, the Holy One, blessed be he, provides him with the means wherewith to do it. I mean, notice the parables in these two little verses. Verse 24, they shall increase all the more. Verse 25, he will be prosperous. He himself will be watered. Now, now do you really believe this? Because it can change your life. Well, maybe this was some special thing between God and the Jews. I mean, this is Old Testament. This is a long time ago. How do we know it has anything to do with us? Well, because of the Jewish rabbi said it had everything to do with us, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he basically takes everything that Solomon says in Proverbs, summarizes them basically in three truths. First truth is the truth behind increase. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. This is a farming deal. I was born and raised in L.A., I thought the food came from the back room at Safeway. But I married a farm girl, so I know what this is talking about. And what all he's saying is basically this. You want a big harvest, you better throw a lot of seed. Throw a little seed. Don't get ticked when you get just a few plants. But you want to throw a lot of seed if you want a big harvest. And basically the truth is stewardship only increases when the sowing increases. In other words, generosity increases generosity. You want to get from here to there? Well, then start here with being generous in any way you can. Because generosity basically increases and produces greater generosity. That's how you start. The second truth in verse 7 is the truth behind the intent. Because maybe this is a, well, I heard on TV, you know, this could be a quick way for you to get rich. Just give, give, give. Radio G-I-V-E. Give, give, give. Just, you know, give it. Seed it out there. And this is the way you can get rich. Is that the motive? Verse 7. Let each one of us do just as he has purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver. The word is hilaros. I'm not being political here. That's just a word. And the point being means with hilarity. In other words, the truth behind this is what, what David said in 1 Chronicles 29. He says, Lord, all that I've given to you, 
all that I'm mustering up here for the future temple that my son will build, it is all to honor you, God. It's like just Solomon said. Either we are reproaching God or we are honoring our Heavenly Father. This is not about how I get rich, so I'm going to be generous so I can be wealthy. No, this is about how I can take what God has given me and through expressing my worship and my thanksgiving, I can indeed honor Him, the truth of intent. Then the last one is the truth behind investment, verses 8 to 11. Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always have an all-sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance. Now, we usually like stopping right there. See, there it is. Do this. Be generous so you can have an abundance and be rich. You know, it really helps to finish reading a verse. Here's the whole, the rest of the verse. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency. There's the watering of your field. In everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That's what Solomon's been talking about. Then he quotes our psalm. And it is written, He scattered abroad and he gave to the needy. His righteousness abides forever. And why is this righteousness the right thing to do in the sight of God? Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, some of what God gives you is, is bread for you. Enjoy. Go to Disneyland. Plan for your children. Send them to college. It's for you. But the seed is not supposed to be chewing on it. The bread's for you, but notice he says, he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all generosity, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. You don't want to know what the truth behind investment is? Is when you invest in such a way in other people's lives who have needs, and you do it with the intent of honoring God, and they know that's why you're doing it, you will produce within their heart worship, for you will produce prayers and thanksgiving how God has used you to provide for their need, and they will give worship. Can you think of a better way to use 20 bucks than to produce worship in somebody's heart on a Tuesday afternoon as they sweep some walkway? It's the harvest of your righteousness. What we lose, what we keep, we lose. And what we give, we have. But then Solomon contrasts this with the greedy. He says, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, but it only results in want. This, this word withholds is, is the Hebrew word to control. I want to control my stuff. And the only way I can control my stuff is to keep my stuff. He says the one who just wants to control their stuff and keep all their stuff, he says they simply result in more want. And that's an interesting word. 23rd Psalm. Remember memorizing that? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's the same word. The Lord's my shepherd, and as long as I let the Lord shepherd my life, I'm not going to really want for anything I really need. But the one who wants to shepherd himself gains nothing 
but more wanting of everything. And that's why they look like they've been baptized in pickle juice and seem to be so miserable. What we keep, we lose. And what we give, we have. Teofilo was talking to Cristobal, a new believer in a little mission chapel in Cuba. Cristobal, if you had 100 sheep, would you give 50 of them to the Lord's work? Yes, I would. Cristobal, would you do the same if you had 100 cows? Yes, Teofilo, I would. Would you do the same if you had 100 horses? Yes, of course. If you had two pigs, would you give one of them to him? No, I wouldn't. And you have no right to ask me, Teofilo. You know I have two pigs. <laughs> it was Jim Elliott. Remember the missionary who died with his friends trying to reach the Aka Indians? And after his death, through his wife and others, that whole nation was, or the whole tribe was cut, brought to Christ. He was the one who had written, and he's known for these words. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Do you remember the words of the priest in Victor Hugo's Les Miserables that changed the life of Jean Valjean? Life is to give, not to take. What we keep, we lose. And what we give, we have. The generous is of noble birth. And they act like they are of noble birth. And what is not noble about your spiritual birth? That when you believed in Jesus Christ, God gave you the right to become called a child of God. In Romans chapter 8, we were not given the spirit of slavery unless we fear but a spirit of adoption, so we cry out, Abba, Father. It is the Spirit of God within you that bears witness with your spirit. Romans 8, 16, that you are of noble birth, born of the Heavenly Father. 2 Corinthians 6, Paul reminds us, God said, I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters. Noble birth, generous. That's who we are. And how do we live it out? The nobility of our spiritual birth? Well, here's some ways I've observed. Ladies. One lady observed she took one of her old purses. Really wasn't that old. And she filled that purse with personal hygiene items and, and some treats and a little bit of money. And then she threw it in her back seat in her car and just left it there until she ran into a woman that she saw was homeless and in great need. And she'd pull over and just give her the purse. Said, this is because there's a God and a God who loves you. Men. I, I, I was made aware of one that encouraged me. So I went over to McDonald's and I, I bought 20 of those $5 little uh, 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 gift things and, and then I went to the uh, home shelter and, and got uh, uh, as many of those little explanations about the homeless put those together, slap those together have them in my car and when I'm driving around now if I see some young guy with a little thing about being homeless and he's on his cell phone <laughs> I'm not moved get a job pay for your cell phone <laughs> 
But when I see somebody and they look like they are suffering, I see a body and that body is suffering and has a lot less than I do. I cover their lunch. I'll never forget Holly and I, first time we were in a Mexican restaurant and John and Kent were John, John and Pudiwad at the time, just seven and five little tiny tykes. They're 42 and 40 now. I'll never forget the first time I had a waitress come to me when I asked for the bill and she said, oh, that's been covered. By, by whom? Oh, they already left. But they just want you to know that God loves you and they appreciate you. I'll never forget how that felt. That's why Holly and I often, usually at a Mexican restaurant, I'll never forget there was actually a family here at Scottsdale Bible, a young family, and he was on staff. But I remember he and his wife and two little girls, they were over here at Ajo Owls. And, and the timing was just perfect. So I asked the waiter, I said, I'd like to cover their bill and pay for the tip. But I wasn't done with my tacos, so I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and when I saw, finally, the waitress, and they weren't to say who, but when the waitress went over there and told them, what a joy. For what? $37. For $37. The joy of watching the surprise. And then immediately, the whole family bowing their heads in prayer and worship and thanksgiving. Best 38 bucks I ever spent. Or next time you're at a restaurant and you're eating there and they see you pray, let's start the tipping at 30%. Oh, but that could be an extra dollar. Yeah, that could be an extra dollar. Or find a charity that you believe in, that you love. and Invest. Or find ministries that you believe in. And you start here with your home church because this is the lives, the love that's being touched in this whole community through you as a group, a generous group through this generous church. See, what we keep, we lose. What we give, we have. Oh, beloved, you say, well, what, does this have to start with money? Why can't I be generous with my attention and my, you know, and, and, and my other gifts? Oh, absolutely. But it begins with your money. I find a lot of people are generous with their time and their volunteerism and still squeak when they walk. And I see no nobility in their birth. But everybody I know who is generous with their money, they are also generous. It like it unlocks their generosity of their time, their attention, and their gifts. This could change your life. I know 42 years ago it changed mine. I was in my second year in seminary. John, who came along, was still a little tyke, and, and we had a 6.9 Volkswagen, and it broke. It's going to be 325 bucks to have it fixed. We were living on Woodman Avenue in Southern California, a little apartment there, and, and we had one parking spot covered. So that's where the 6.9 Volkswagen was on blocks. I'm a junior high pastor, and... Uh, we were doing pretty well. Holly was making about $800 a month as an executive secretary. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, about a month. And I, I was clearing uh, uh, 175 as a junior high pastor. I mean, we're in this for the money. <laughs> so we had a nice budget till Holly got herself pregnant and then worked for nine months. 
and our budget went down to 175 and it was really rough there for a while and we got a broken car. My dad, bless his heart, let me borrow his little uh, Italian Fiat. Remember those little spiders, those little roller skates? But it had already been repainted, beat up, and the roof had been ripped off. And I couldn't park it where we had the Volkswagen, so we parked it on Woodman Avenue, the street, only to find that the seats were stolen then. Well, back then, you still had junkyards, so I went over to the junkyard and got two tires. One tire from my side, one tire from Holly's side. You don't want to sit too close to the steering wheel because you go right down the hole. And I'll never forget, one cold morning, I have to choke out trying to get this thing to start. Holly's sitting there on her tire with little John John all wrapped up, and I thought, this is so pitiful. I will never hurt this woman. It was within a week, at around lunchtime after church. We were ready to have lunch, and there's a knock on our door, and I open up. It's Will Roberts, one of my, my students. I didn't know him really well at, at, at the seminary at the time. And, and I said, hi, Will. Well, <laughs> good. I'm so glad you showed up at lunchtime. Come on in. Have a bean with us, you know? <laughs> he said, no, I, I really can't stay. I just I wanted to give you this. He gave me a white envelope. And he left. Holly and I opened up the envelope. to be able to fix fix the Volkswagen. $5 to celebrate at McDonald's. (laughs) But I'll tell you, at that moment, that afternoon, Holly and I fell to our knees, and we gave praise and thanksgiving to God. And that blessed man, 42 years ago, I don't know whatever happened to Will, but 42 years later, I'm still talking about it, it changed my life life. That's what generosity does. Like I said, if you'll take this message seriously, it will change this year for you because it will change you and everything's going to look differently. That's my prayer for our church, that this church, Scottsdale Bible Church, become and continues to become known as such a generous church with such generous people. Let's go after it. What do you say? Heavenly Father, that's our prayer. That, Lord, it's not us as a group. It's each and every one of us as individuals. May we indeed realize the Lord is our shepherd. We we shall not want. Lord, we don't have to shepherd ourselves and remain only in want. Lord, as you pour upon us, let us freely let it pour upon others. May we be generous people of noble birth, producing praise, thanksgiving, and worship in the lives of those around us as we're blessed. Father, I would pray, loosen our hearts, open up our hearts, and may people see the love of generosity. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ and God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Walk worthy of what you know.